Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, strategic thought leadership coach and consultant, founder of Thought Inc. and creator of the thought process of strategic thought leadership. This episode is an interview with Jamie Ryder about stoicism in marketing and leadership, where philosophy meets storytelling, creating narratives that resonate and inspires. Episode 48, what this episode will do for you is help you explore how the tenets and principles of Stoicism and other ancient philosophies can be applied in marketing, in leadership. Help you expand your thinking with thought experiments drawn from Stoicism like contemplating the sage and the view from above. Explore author and content writer Jamie Ryder's fascinating journey where philosophy meets storytelling creating narratives that resonate and inspire, and discover how ancient philosophies can be a path to self-mastery that integrates with thought leadership and marketing success. So in this episode, we are excited to introduce Jamie Ryder, a Manchester, UK-based copywriter with a philosophical twist. Amid the early days of the pandemic, Jamie embarked on a journey that intertwined his love for pondering questions and crafting impactful stories. And this fusion led him to a unique insight. Copywriting and philosophy share a powerful synergy. Now, before we dive more deeply, just a reminder about what this podcast is for. Thought Leadership Studio is a workshop in strategic positive influence. So you can consider this podcast an ongoing workshop to help you attain even more peak performance in your thought leadership. Think of the episodes as your library for self-training as a high-performing thought leader. And before I dive into this further, I want to remind you that if you're listening on an app, check out the link in the episode description and that will take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, which has extra resources, a different perspective, that which fits better on a web page than on an audible podcast episode to fill out your learning in this area, as well as links to some free offers. So a little bit more about our guest, the founder of Stoic Athenium, Jamie bridges the gap between philosophy and relatable communication. His expertise extends to various sectors, mental health, hospitality, self-development, e-commerce, transforming businesses into captivating storytellers through website content, brand voice, blogs, and content strategies. Beyond copy, Jamie's a fiction writer delving into horror and fantasy and also a beverage enthusiast contributing to Yamoto Magazine and drink to that. 
So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Jamie Ryder, founder of Stoic Athenium. Thought Leadership Studio. So I'm your host, Chris McNeil with Thought Leadership Studio. And copywriting is a lot like philosophy and involves pondering a lot of head-scratching questions, pulling answers from obscure places, sharing stories that make an impact, and generally pushing yourself to be better. And that is the revelation Jamie Ryder, our guest today, had during the early days of the COVID pandemic when he was looking for something to recalibrate his path Fast forward to consuming a bunch of podcasts, books, and articles, and he's dug a hole too deep to climb out of. And I'm reading straight from his about page here. Jamie's a Manchester-based copywriter who uses philosophy to help businesses share their philosophy with the world. He was inspired to set up Stoic Athenium through his interest in Stoicism and other ancient schools of thought, which I would certainly fall in the category of Stoicism curious. I have seen a lot about it. I'm fascinated with ancient philosophy in general. I think there's a lot of timeless principles we can learn from the ancients, certainly. And Jamie's on a mission to make philosophy sexier, at least down to earth, and make timeless ideas new again. So welcome, Jamie. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you for inviting me, Chris. I'm really excited to dive into a bit of philosophy and to see where that rabbit hole takes us today. Yeah, let's dive right down the rabbit hole. So tell me a little more about the pivotal moment that set you off on this path of philosophy-inspired copywriting, stoicism, what what was what happened or what was going on in your head that that made you take that direction? Uh, well, I'll, I'll first say that my head is quite an interesting place to be in, to be fair. And that's what we're here to explore. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> So going back to the start of that defining moment, it's actually quite interesting because I was thinking about this this week, actually. And when people say defining moments, I look at that as like a match lighter moment in the idea that when something gets struck inside you, then a fuse gets lit and that could be something small or very big. And philosophy was one of those match lighter moments for me. And that really did start over the pandemic Prior to all of that stuff kicking off, I was working in marketing agencies over a course of about 10 years as a copywriter. But as with a lot of things, people felt burnt out. There was a lot of uncertainty over that period. And that certainly was the case for me. I felt like I did need to recalibrate a lot of things in my life. And philosophy was that thing that came to me when I least expected it. I was just trying to deal with that uncertainty and stoicism came to me out of the blue by listening to podcasts and reading books and that really resonated with me on a personal level because 
prior to that, I was certainly aware of the subject of philosophy, but I always thought it was quite academic, quite dry. I didn't see anything that I could personally pull from it. But for that particular reason over the pandemic, the Stoics just really appealed to me from that practical wisdom element. And I've just been going down that rabbit hole ever since and opening myself up to different schools of thoughts and trying to bring it down to earth so other people can understand it as well through different contexts. So that practical wisdom aspect, I mean, certainly useful in a time of world upheaval, how much changed in the early days of the pandemic when the world basically shut down in many ways. And for our listeners who may not be as familiar with stoicism, what's your nutshell first paragraph of Wikipedia type of explanation of what stoicism is? Yeah, I always find this question fascinating and I can only talk about my subjective experience of it because the beauty of philosophy to me is that it's always changing and being updated. But certainly before I knew what it was, being British myself, we are of the opinion that it's always about keeping a stiff upper lip sometimes. So it's that idea of gritting your teeth, just bearing through your emotions and just getting on with things. So that was little less stoicism, a character trait. Whereas big S stoicism, the philosophy is the entirely different train of thought on it. It's the opposite. It's actually living in accordance with nature, as the Stoics like to say, which is living around these principles of justice, wisdom, self-control and courage, and also trying to uplift your communities at the same time. So you can feel your emotions, but it's about not being overwhelmed by them and actually bringing in some rationality and logic to what you feel and then being able to overcome certain states like anxiety or fear for example and that is a top level view but there's so much more to it than just that one strand of thought so it's a path to self-mastery in a sense that is certainly one aspect of it yes uh, but not just self-mastery because you mentioned making a contribution to your community indeed and you could look at it from just that one angle of helping you as a person. And that I believe that is where it starts when people learn more about it. Or if you look at people like the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, he is one of the most famous Stoics of all time. And he was active during a time when there was a lot of upheaval and he was called on to make life-changing decisions for people that looked to him as their leader and their guide. So he had to be actively engaged in politics when his life story was something that he didn't want to actually inhabit there. He was very reluctant to be in politics at that time, but Stoicism called on him to actually find his way through that path and actually help Rome at that particular time in history. That's interesting. And as I'm listening, I'm, I'm taking the listener advocate point of view, as I attempt to do, and thinking of all the different ways this could be applied and think about and we all have to market ourselves online these days, it seems. And to do that, you deal with these dopamine addiction and creating social media likes and clicks. And there's people get addicted to the rush of emotion. Uh, but that rush of emotion may not be as connected to what's going to give them long-term stable platform of thought leadership, for instance which takes building more long-form content, stepping away from the dopamine rush and managing your emotions so that you can stay centered on the discipline of creating something more longer lasting. Would that make sense? 
Indeed, I do find a great parallel with copywriting and stoicism there because patience is a actually absolutely crucial part of copywriting anyway. And a recommendation that I will always say, whether you're writing a social media post or you're trying to create any kind of email campaign, it's getting that draft right or just writing whatever is in your head as that initial standing point, but then just putting it aside or just doing something completely different to take yourself out of that headspace. And for me, stoicism certainly helps me do that when I do any copywriting work, just to have that space to take a step back and then I can recalibrate if I need to go back to it later down the line. So taking time for unconscious processing in between the conscious active thinking of doing that is something stoicism supports. Absolutely. Um, can you give us a story about how stoicism helped you with a particular mark since a lot of our listeners are related to marketing projects, whether they're a marketer or just promoting their own thinking? Um, can you tell us a specific example of how it helped you and how you're approaching it differently now than you would have previously? Yeah, that's a great question. And one of my industries that I'm really fascinated by and who, and that really resonates with me is mental health. Now, I always like to look at mental health messaging as something that is around, you know, I think it's a big subject and there is a lot of complexities around it. And something that I'm passionate about is trying to make mental health messaging matter in a culture that sometimes can be just about doing a tick box exercise. And I was working with a mental health brand that wanted to reshift or just to figure out what their messaging is. And a particular workshop that I do is based on a philosophical concept that is inspired by stoicism called the circles of care. Essentially where that started was about people are about their mind and their body in their first circle, but it's also about looking outside of that to see how you can bring people as close as possible. So that might be your family, your friends, the rest of the world. I saw a great aspect or parallel there between branding and marketing. And my workshop is called Brand Circles of Care. So that is the idea that what we value as a business owner or what we value as people that is intrinsically lined up in how a business is run, I think. And on that mental health strand, it was trying to figure out what that values of that mental health brand was, how is that's going to shape the customer experience? If there's going to be recruitment or partnerships down the line, what would that look like? And it actually delivering that clarity and that messaging. So there's some consistency before any copy got written. And off the back of that, she found that quite useful just to get everything that was out of her head and actually make it make sense to her, having just having done and brewed along the lines of something that had never really been clear to her before. That's awesome. And this centering around values that might also be immutable principles. Yeah. Well, that, and that, that's core to it, it seems, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. And uh, when I look at like principles, I always look at those four stoic principles of justice, wisdom, temperance and courage. And I think values as a word, there's a lot of ways you can look at it because I think from a business standpoint, there's a temptation sometimes to just look at them as buzzwords. So you might say you want to be sustainable or you are ethical, but what does that actually mean? If you're just going to like create a list of things like you put on a whiteboard or if you just put it's like a list just to look at in your office, then is that really going to help you change anything or are you actually more likely to 
stand by those principles or do you want to actually get deeper and interrogate them and actually do that step by step with people from the top of the business all the way down so that's what i encourage when thinking about values it's saying yes you might have these buzzwords in mind but you actually want to interrogate them and actually get people's opinions from all across the business because they're always going to evolve as the business gets bigger or shifts as well Sure. And of course, the values that might be most important would be those of the customer that you are honoring and bringing to life through what you bring to them. And it seems like you're bringing some of these values of stoicism to your customers with how you help them process their content. And I'm also hearing and seeing um, a process of alignment and we're all too familiar. Who was it? Um, was it Edward Deming that said, you know, the slogans on the wall don't really help morale. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, but it's actually your actions and your actions being in alignment, your beliefs being alignment with these principles. Is that something that stoicism would speak to? Is this process of bringing alignment of your actions to your values? I would say so, yeah. And to me, when I think about that thought, it is just doing it step by step because. What I also like about that particularly stoic strand of thought is it is just, you know, focusing what you can control and what you can't control is its most simplest principle. But it's also not beating yourself up about, you know, you can go as far as you can. There's a concept that I like to look at called contemplating the sage, which you can use in a different few different contexts. So it's about saying you might have somebody that inspires you, whether it's fictional, historical, or somebody that's close to you. And it's thinking, what have they done or what do I admire about them in modeling their behavior? And you could try to use that principle to complete a specific task, but as long as you have the right intentions behind it, then that's all that matters. The outcome doesn't matter. It's the fact that you had that intent and you can just remove that anxiety or, or that sadness around not actually fulfilling that goal. And that to me has some parallels in systems thinking of lining with the intent and letting the outcome be emergent. Indeed. Sometimes the best outcomes are the ones we don't expect when we, when we apply these kinds of principles. And I'm seeing maybe, maybe putting these things in context for the listener, which you're already doing. And one context I'm seeing is the self-control, self-management, being able to step outside yourself, manage yourself, keep yourself in alignment with principles not get drawn into acting on your emotions without the ability to self-observe. And then there's how you interact with the customer to help align with values and maybe discover what their core values are, um, ensure alignment, but also get clarity by pulling these um, strands of potential thought leadership in my language that could be applied in a content program. Um, is, does that make sense? And are there other contexts you think that would be useful day-to-day um, -day direct applications of stoicism that someone listening to this could apply fairly quickly? Or if it requires further study, where would you where would you lead them to for that? Well, in that case, I always like to give a couple of easy to apply stoic exercises, whether it is from like a a self-mastery management point of view or just to try to understand different people and step outside your own perspectives really 
And one that really helped me is called The View From Above, which is essentially trying to step outside yourself, whether you've had a bad day at work or you're just trying to prepare for like a sales call or whatever that is. You'll step outside yourself and imagine you're looking down at your city or wherever you are. And there are probably quite a few number of people who are probably going through the same thing that you are in different contexts. So that puts you on their same level. But then you'll go a step further by imagining you're looking down at the entire world and you are looking at things from the fact that we're all connected by that similar strand of humanity. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or if you just started in a business, whatever. Then slowly, slowly come back down into yourself. And then hopefully by the time you've actually done that thinking, whatever you were feeling might have been diffused or you can just recalibrate your thinking a little bit and just be a bit more prepared for whatever situation is coming up. So that is something that's helped me in many different contexts as one thing. And I also mentioned that contemplating the sage exercise as well. If you're trying to model certain behavior, you don't have to appreciate everything about that person. You just have to take away what makes sense to you and try to apply it in a way that does make sense to you as well. Interesting. And if someone wanted to take a deep dive into stoicism and find a practical guide to applying applying it in their life, whether that's in leadership or marketing or communication, PR, or, or just in business in general, what what are some practical guides that you would advise would be helpful? Uh, there's so many great resources. A couple that come to mind is... How to Think Like a Roman Emperor by Donald Robertson. That goes into depth about the life of Marcus Aurelius and how all of these principles were applied across his lifetime. Another one is called Breakfast with Seneca by David Fidilla, which looks at the ideas and the concepts that the philosopher and Roman politician Seneca applied. And they are really easy to understand and to read, and it will give you like a practical guide of how to apply these day-to-day in different contexts. And would you say that with your clients, do you take on a coaching role? Oh, by the way, to the listener, I'm going to link to these to these books. So it'll be in the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com if you're listening on app. But Jamie, I'll, would you see yourself in a coaching role sometimes with clients to guide them to these types of exercises to help them see their campaign from afar, for instance? Yeah, that is certainly one hat that really helps from being in a philosophical concept, because if we go back to that workshop, Brand Circles of Care, that I run, it is about trying to think of, you know, extracting the clarity that the client needs, whether they're trying to rebrand their business or they're trying to figure out like who they're actually trying to help. So I will ask like questions to say, if you are trying to reach this person, then how would you actually stand by the value that you have? Or if you're trying to say this, then what would the, how would they react? That kind of things. And I find it quite useful to do a bit of Socratic questioning there. So using the methodology that Socrates might use just to, you know, have open questions, or I might slip into another kind of philosophy like existentialism, where, which is about personal freedom or trying to imagine what the customer journey might be if they were free or if their ideal like life after having a product or a service, what would that look like for them? So it's really, well, it's very fun and it's very easy to dip into different kinds of thoughts and calibrate the questions based on what I'm trying to extract from the clients. Uh, that's fascinating. I picked up one piece of that I picked up on was the 
it's a tongue twister to me um, for um, a way of framing the customer journey. And some of the philosophies of business I've been involved in are things like um, the Vanguard method, which looks at the business from the outside in, from the customer's point of view. So they look at things like reducing customer friction at every contact point and defining goals in customer terms, which seems like there's a lot of corollaries in what you're talking about that as well. Uh, but it just seems like in a bottomless pit of resources, once you start dive, I can see how you got fascinated and pulled into it. Once you start diving into these ancient philosophies, um, so tell me more about how this applies to the customer journey aspect and, and the more concrete and specific, the better. If you can give us an example of a particular project, that'd be great because want people will be able to really visualize exactly what happened. Yeah, for sure. So the basic premises of where I think of about copywriting philosophy, it's the idea that every business has some kind of philosophy that they need to share with their audience and actually show that that business wants to help this customer the copy and the content is absolutely key to sharing that external message so in a practical example i was working with a construction brand for example so i needed to figure out how their services would actually connect with their audience and actually prove to the audience that they're trying to help them and they're the right person so i did that workshop that i do around the values that helped me inform what the customer journey would look like then I created website copy off the back of that workshop and it aligned to the customer journey about what we were discussed. And that website did very well for the client to help them to share their story and actually connect with the people that they wanted to. So that is one particular aspect of how I think philosophy and copy goes hand in hand together. That's excellent. I, I love your multi-level approach to copywriting. It's, it's very deep and you're, you're, you're um, centering on values, your understanding of the filtering nature of belief systems, although you may not use those terms as those are terms I would use to describe some of this. Uh, the use of multiple perspectives. You know, those are, those are some of the characteristics of great thinkers in general is the ability to take multiple perspectives. And, and you brought up seeing things from above and looking at it from a distance. You know, that, that brings different information into play. Right, and what about the customer point of seeing from the customer's eyes and looking inward from there to what you're offering? And tell us more about this multi-level approach of how it may give us another example, something to illustrate principles in action. Yeah, so another great question. So another philosopher that comes to mind for me is called Michel de Montaigne. He was a fascinating guy who created the genre of the essays as we know them. So when I first heard about essays, I just thought about, you know, very dry academic things that we wrote in school. But the original meaning of the word essay comes from the French, which means to try, A-S-S-A-Y. And Montaigne just did an exercise on himself where he constantly looked at different perspectives from inside to outwards and just went in different directions. And what I take away from that is the idea of skeptical research, particularly in copywriting, because copywriting is all about research and you do need to hold those multiple perspectives, whether it is from the customer side or there might be two jarring points of view where you, you read something from one news site that would be positive. 
you might get a contrary view, but if you're trying to build like a particular offer, then you need to see both perspectives and you might just take one idea away from one of those things or you might look to combine them. So there are always caveats and different ways to use this, but I just like the idea of always being sceptical, not in a negative way, but just to have that, you know, balance of opinions and just try to look at it and research as much as possible before you actually create anything. So the skeptic's point of view, the ability Indeed. to look at your own work, I suppose, as well as from, a, from the skeptic's point of view, uh, something Walt Disney used, you know, like part of the Disney strategy. He, he had a dreamer aspect of anything's possible, blue sky. He had the realist aspect of breaking that dream into actionable chunks. So that first step was doable, which was the origination of storyboarding, actually, because his animators ended up breaking it into chunks by making still frames and posting them on a wall, which became adopted by businesses as a storyboarding technique. But none of it worked, he said, unless you could also step out and look at the film like you're watching it from the audience and acting as a critic and contrasting it with the criteria of what makes something good. So I think... Yeah, it's just, but again, it's like, it's, it's a great concept, isn't it? But it's so hard to do sometimes. And it's just like when you're trying to do it with yourself or it's always good just to have you know differing opinions ask people i mean copywriting again it's always great just to talk to other copywriters who have vastly different opinions always get the work critiqued so you you don't just have your thought or your point of view you might want to go through a few different iterate <laughs> i can't talk now iterations about whatever you're writing that's awesome um so if you were to take what you've learned from Stoicism and other ancient philosophies and have a manifesto for the whole copywriting industry about we need to do some things better and we can learn from this, what would be some of the key points of that manifesto? Oh, what a question that is, yeah. I think I would always start with just research, 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 and like three times just in big, mm -hmm. big bold letters. Because I've learned this, like, you know, doing it again and again. Research is always the important thing for me to make sure you understand the product, the service, and the customer. Then the second thing is just take a break or whatever that might look like to that person. It is write whatever you need to do, but then you know, step away from it, take as long as you need within reason for what the client needs. So you're as present as possible. And I was talking to another copywriter about this the other day about rhythm. And that's quite an interesting thing. He is of the opinion that if you write anything, there needs to be a certain musicality to it, or you need to feel like you're excited about it. And he has a habit of like bobbing or like thinking about different kinds of music when he writes. And I thought that is such a fascinating point, but I think, there needs to be a certain rhythm behind anything you're creating because you would feel it intrinsically and then the client or the customer would probably feel that as well. You might be like, oh, like this is what I'm reading. I'm excited about this. You know, it's like I feel that rhythm on a deeply deep level, but it's a bit of an intangible. So I would say those three things, research, take a step back and have some kind of rhythm to what you're writing always. And that research and taking a step back, it's so easy for people to miss that. And I, I, I did a talk on marketing to a chamber of commerce yesterday, and it just struck me some, you know, sometimes the, the disconnect between people's worlds. 
But I remember running brick and mortar businesses and I see their perspective completely because you get immersed in running a business. You're looking at it from the top down. If you have a hierarchical organization, which is traditional business structure, you're always trying to meet your goals for the week and the quarter. But it's like, was that Zen story of uh, there's this huge rock in front of a path and these monks couldn't get past it. You push and push and push and push and hours and it wasn't budging an inch until we stopped meditated five minutes and somebody just nudged it in a different place and rolled right out of the way that that ability to step back it seems to be uh something we we forget you know, take that critic's perspective or take that mark or do that research and get more insight so that we act from insight am i am i understanding right yeah indeed and i've got that was a great little story there as well just uh something around philosophy as well that i really enjoy is I'm not sure or if people are interested in uh, absurdism, but Albert Camus is a great example as well. He had this story around the myth of Sisyphus, where basically a guy was forced just to roll a boulder up a hill until the end of time. So yeah. every time the hill fell right back down, he just had to get on with it. But what Camus was talking about there was even if you push a boulder up a hill every day, you can find some meaning in that task. And if you find any little shred of meaning day per day, then that is still life lived if you choose to look at absurdism from that standpoint. And it's the same with any business, I think. You're always going to be rolling your boulder up a hill and you're going to get set back, but you need to just keep pushing it up again and just carry on as you go and learn. Yeah, and maybe part of that is the rhythm aspect. Mm-hmm. So life has a rhythm of pushing up and something rolling back down. But if you find that sense of groove with the rhythm there you go imagine like dancing up a hill with a rock now I just got that in my head <laughs> yeah me, music is a fantastic metaphor and and, and that rhythm aspect is certainly powerful as our harmony and melody the melody the message the harmony the integration of others messages and the customer integration of different viewpoints so the harmonize and they're not discordant or if there is discordant part of you then resolve it into harmony I think all that applies. Um, so a, a couple things to wind up. One is if the listener wanted to, is listening and thinking, well, what are a couple things I can put into action right away to implement some of what I'm learning from Jamie? And what would the top three things be that you'd recommend? And two, how can people find you on social media, website, whatever else you want to share? Yeah, great. So number one is going back to that idea of values. Ultimately, just think about what you want to stand for as a business. If you want to just look at it from buzzwords and say you want to be ethical, then I would encourage you just to dig a little bit deeper and see what that word means to you and your customers as well. The second thing is pick up any book or listen to any podcast about any kind of philosophy and just see what you think and just try to broaden your horizons a little bit. The third thing is if you're going to write anything, whether it's creative or copy-led, write it and then just take a step back and then come back to it. Simple as that. And then in terms of where to find me, you can find me on my website, stoicathenium.com, and you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. I'll put those links in the episode page. And again, if you're listening on an app, it'll be in the episode description. Click and uh, these resources will be there. Really appreciate you, Jamie. This has been a great interview, very fascinating, and I'm going to do a deep dive into learning more about 
these philosophies myself. Ah, mission accomplished. <laughs> Fantastic. Have a great rest of your day. Thought Leadership Studio. That was the interview with Jamie Ryder. I hope you found it as interesting and enlightening and helpful as I did to discover the connection of ancient philosophies like Stoicism and how they can be applied in aligning self-mastery with success in marketing, especially content marketing, and leadership, especially thought leadership. If you're listening on an app, make sure you click on the link in the episode description, which will take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, where we've got all kinds of links to resources, including the books Jamie recommended, Jamie's website, his LinkedIn and Twitter, and also the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, a free ebook that can help you assemble the building blocks of your own strategic thought leadership. I'm your host, Chris McNeil. It's been great as always, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thought Leadership Studio.